This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Amen. What a great song to prepare us to, to dig into the word today. Turn to Isaiah, if you're new with us today. If you're plugging in for the first time, we've been walking through the book of Isaiah, and we're at chapter 51 this morning. And we're talking about breaking out from discouragement. Break out from discouragement. How can we experience that? Let's see what God's word says about that. We're going to look at these first few verses in Isaiah 51 this morning, verses 1 through, we'll make it through verse 5 um, today in Isaiah 51. So if you would turn there in your copy of God's word, let's let our hearts be refreshed and encouraged by his word today. Follow along in your copy of God's word. God says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you. When I called him, he was only one. I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord." Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and melodious song. Pay attention to me, my people, and listen to me, my nation. For instruction will come from me, and my justice for a light to the nations. I will bring it about quickly. My righteousness is near, my salvation appears, and my arms will bring justice to the nations. The coast and islands will put their hope in me, and they will look to my strength. Father, as we prepare right now to receive the food from your holy word, we pray as we just sang that you would shape and fashion us into the likeness of your son. Lord, we, we pray for your spirit to deal with each one of us, as we talk today about one of the enemy's weapons that he uses against us, which is discouragement, Lord, we pray that you would take the greater weapon of the sword of the Spirit, which is your word, to enable us to break out of that. And so, Lord, we, we pray that you would do now what only you could do in your grace and your mercy and your supernatural power. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Historian Doris Kearns Goodwin has written a, a wonderful book called Leadership in Turbulent Times. And she profiles different leaders and a couple of the, the ones that she profiles are a couple of presidents, uh, Abraham Lincoln and, and Theodore Roosevelt. On one level, these two men could not have been more different. Lincoln was born into poverty. Theodore Roosevelt was born into privilege, but they had in common the fact that as boys, they both 
faced something that was incredibly discouraging. In, in, in Lincoln's case, it was grinding poverty. His mother died when he was just nine years old. He, his, his dad did not even want him to be educated or read or anything like that. But Lincoln would not be deterred. He would sneak off to read books and he would read them by candlelight at night. And it was through reading that Lincoln just caught a vision of another world beyond kind of the frontier poverty that was surrounding him. He caught a vision that, you know what, life Life can be different. There's a whole different world out there. In, in Theodore Roosevelt's case, it was severe asthma, asthma so severe that he couldn't get out and do a lot of, of, of outdoor things. But, but again, it was, it was books. He read a lot because he couldn't get out a lot as a young boy. And, 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 and through his reading, he, he read about, you know, heroes and, you know, courageous people in history and things like that. And again, what it did was it gave him a vision that life can be different than sort of the, 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 the sickness and everything that is reality for me today. It gave him a vision of, of an alternative future. And so in both of these cases, it was, it was, the world of books that enabled these two boys to kind of break out from discouragement. And in our case, it's, it's the book <laughs> that enables us to, to, to break out from discouragement as we think about God's promises, as we think about his faithfulness, as we think about the future hope that he has for us. And this issue of, of discouragement is so real in our, our, our lives. And we'll talk about some of the ways where, where it comes from today and things like that and strategies against it. But listen, it's one of Satan's greatest weapons to steal our joy, to hinder our, our fruitfulness for the, the kingdom. This is, this is real. It's one of the enemy's greatest weapons to beat you up and keep you down. But what you need to understand is that God has a greater weapon. And that, that weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is his, his word. And as we dig into the word this morning, we're going to see how by the grace of God, we can experience a breakout from discouragement. So what do we see here in Isaiah 51? The first principle that we see here is listen to God's promises. Listen to God's promises. So when you walk through these opening verses of Isaiah 51, look at all of the kind of the listening language that we see here. God says in verse 1, listen to me. Again, in verse 4, what does he say? Pay attention to me, my people, and listen to me. Again, go down to verse 7. Listen to me over and over again. You see this kind of this language of, of listening. So Isaiah is writing here to discourage people. 
They, they are deeply discouraged. He's writing to people who are in, 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 in exile and people who thought that God was, was done with them. They're, they're, they're deeply discouraged. Um, and so Isaiah is, is writing here to people who are they're so deeply discouraged, they're having trouble hearing God. They're so downcast that they're having trouble listening to God. And so God is saying to them over and over here, listen to me. Listen to me. I know things are dark in your lives right now, but pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a wonderful book called Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and, and, and Cure. It's still available. You can get it electronically or however you get books. But it's, it's a wonderful meditation on Psalm 42 and 43. And, and, and one of the points that Lloyd-Jones makes is that when we get up every day, we've got voices that are coming, that are speaking to us, you know, for, we're, we're, we're talking to ourselves or we're hearing, we're hearing voices that kind of, you know, beat us up, drag us down, uh, regret over the past, fear of the future, you know, or whatever the day brings or whatever. You wake up and you're like immediately being hit, you know, by, by, by these voices and, and, and basically what he's saying is, you need to do as the psalmist does in Psalm 42 and 43, and, and, and speak to yourself the word of God. Speak the word of God to yourself. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so discouraged within me? Put your hope in God. And so what we need to do is speak the promises of God to ourselves. Remind ourselves of his promises. God, God here is saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. Now, discouragement comes at us and it takes a, can take a couple of different forms. Sometimes discouragement in our lives is triggered by certain events that have happened. It could be the loss of a loved one and just the darkness of grief. It could be pain in a, a marriage or relationship, a family trauma of some sort, uh, problems with children. It could be a financial setback, could be job-related. I mean, there, it, but, but it's triggered. There's some, there's some triggering event that has happened that has kind of, kind of triggered this darkness, this cloud that's hanging over. That's one way. But there's another way that discouragement kind of settles in, and, and, and that is we can just get into ruts in our lives. We, we get into a pattern where our lives are just simply not what they could be or should be as a child of God, and it's, 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 it's more of just kind of settling, settling in where you should not settle, because life's meant to be more. And we need to hear whatever the source of the discouragement is. You know, we need to hear the words 
that the angel Gabriel says to Mary in Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. In fact, Ephesians 3 tells us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or imagine. Life can be different. But how does God work practically to, to bring us out of discouragement? He uses his word for sure. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to rip through the curtain of discouragement that's surrounding us. I, I think about the day that Jesus died. And you remember the gospels tell us that at the moment that Christ died, that the curtain, the thick curtain that surrounded the Holy of Holies in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And of course, the, the meaning of that part of it was that the spirit of God is no longer going to be confined to a place, but the spirit of God was going to be unleashed upon the world in, in the days to, to come at, at, at Pentecost. The spirit of God just being, being unleashed, poured out. right? And the, and the, the Holy Spirit has the power to work through the word, just to rip through the thick curtain of discouragement that surrounds you. But I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not going to pick up your Bible and read it for you. You've got to take initiative to, to, to avail yourself to the means of grace that God has given. God has given you his word, right? But you, you've got you to gotta dig into that and let the spirit work in your life through the word. So God uses his word. Second, God uses prayer. And prayer is not just you talking to God. It's God talking to you. The biggest breakthroughs in, in my life come time after time after time. Early in the morning in my prayer journal, just pouring out my heart before God, but it's not just me pouring out my heart, it's God working, God speaking, God granting breakthroughs and answers to prayer, things I could never do, supernatural power. And so God uses prayer, and third, God uses his people. God uses his people. We, most of us, are, I think, prone to, to get too isolated from other believers. And, you know, we don't need a, a pandemic for that to happen. But that problem has, has been compounded for sure in the past 11 months. And listen, I, if, if you're being really careful I totally get it 100% understand there hasn't been a week in the past couple of months when I wasn't uh, praying with people that have lost loved ones to COVID or friends from the course of my own life that have passed away and these people were um, living you know vibrant lives and suddenly they're not here I understand the caution completely 
But let me just implore you, even during these times, do not allow yourself to get too isolated. Be proactive. Pick up the phone. Reach out to people. Stay plugged in with other people. It is so vital. And our, you know, our church has been, for the most part, really good about this. You guys calling one another, just staying connected to one another, but like spiritually, that is huge. And especially during these times, because listen, even when everything was normal, and we'll get back to normal soon enough, but, but even during normal times, too many believers are way, way, way too cut off and isolated from the lives of other believers. Um, this, this, is just a, this is just a huge issue. Um, and so I would say for now, it's unusual times, be proactive and do everything that you can, everything that you can to stay connected. And there are all kinds of means to do that, but be proactive about it and reach out to other people. Reach out to the lonely. Reach out, call, reach out to people. But also, and we need to understand this, it's wonderful that God has given us you know, technology to stream these services, and this is something that we'll continue to do even when this is over because people get sick, people are traveling, there's all, all kinds of, of things, and it's a great tool also for you to share you know, on social media or whatever, you know, to, to share sermons, services, all, all of that. It's, the, God has provided these advances in technology and it's wonderful, but, but, but I want to remind you of this, and this is huge. Don't ever be deceived into thinking that virtual church is church. It's not. It's not. Watching a service on screen, watching a guy preach on screen, that is not the same thing as being with the people of God. Like, we need that. We, we you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of the things, and especially when you think about the issue of discouragement, we're living in a culture where even when things are normal, people tend to be more isolated. And you see it even with young people, with, with, uh, with, with video games and things like that, where kids just are, they're not, they're not getting out. They need, to, they need to break out more. They need more, more friend time and outdoor time and because life can just become more and more inward. And even now, with all the streaming options that are available. I mean, there's just, you know, quality entertainment at the click of a button or whatever, and you can just kind of binge on streaming or, or, or whatever. And, if, and if, you, if you don't set limits on stuff like that, you, your, your world just becomes more and more just kind of in, into, your, into yourself and kind of behind closed doors, that's not good. That's not spiritually good. We need other people. And we especially need brothers and sisters in Christ. FaceTime and not, you know, not the screen FaceTime. 
real FaceTime. We need a lot of real FaceTime, right? God works through his, his, his people. And by the way, it was great because we got some people who, who are shut in and can't get out. It's great to see our deacons last Sunday afternoon. They took uh, all kinds of wonderful Valentines, uh, gifts of love to people in our church who, who, who couldn't get out, that were shut in. So that was, and that was, that was beautiful. But listen to God's promises. Okay, second, look to God's faithfulness. Look to God's faithfulness. So let's look again at verse one. God says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were dug. In other words, go back to first things. Go back and remember the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were dug. Go back and remember the good things that God has done in your life. Now, you see the psalmist doing this all the time. When you read the Psalms, time and again, you see the psalmist recounting God's faithfulness, the times when God has, has worked in the past, remembering, remembering his faithfulness, how he has come through, so important for us to do. This is so important. It's important to, to look back and remind ourselves of the good things that God has done in our lives. I found it really helpful sometimes like on a long drive to just kind of be intentional and, and go back and kind of trace, trace the course of my life and just, and just think about, celebrate in the presence of God how God brought me to himself and then just sort of different markers along the way. And you know, I can look back and see, and you could see this in your life, you can look back and you can see times in your life that were really dark, times when you just could not, <laughs> you could not see your way through. But even in those times, God was doing something deeper. God was doing something good when things and when nothing in your life seemed good. God was faithful and God was at work and God was coming through. And when you look back and you can, you can just see the thread of his faithfulness in the past, what does that do? It builds your faith for the present and for the future. Because a God who was faithful then is not going to let go of you now. Sometimes it's it's helpful even to physically go back to, to places where God has worked in your life, you know, if you can do that. And to maybe take a, take a, a prayer walk on some ground that is sacred to, to you. I love Genesis 35 where God tells Jacob to go back to Bethel, that place where he had the dream of the ladder with the angels ascending and descending. And God tells him in Genesis 35, Let's get, get you and your family, get rid of your idols and go back to Bethel. Go back to that place where I was at work. Sometimes it's good to take a prayer walk on some ground that is especially holy to, to you and just to thank God for his goodness 
one of the markers in your life, one of the highlights of place where he was working in power. Why do we do such things? Not to sort of reminisce about the good old days, but to have our faith built for the days to come because we're reminded of the faithfulness of of God. So sometimes we need to go back to that rock from which we were cut, that quarry from which you were dug. Again, what does he say here in verse two? Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who gave birth to you. When I called him, he was only one. I blessed him and made him many. Little becomes much when it's put into the the master's hands. And, And there's a word here that, that we really need to, to get. When he talks about the fact that when I called him, Abraham, he was only one, but I blessed him and made him many. He wants these exiles to remember that. Remember that. You were just one, and now you're many. We tend to overlook the good things that God has, has done and is doing. None of us are where we want to be completely spiritually. I mean, if we're satisfied with where we are right now, that's not good. That's not healthy. And so if you're a growing disciple, you always want to grow more, you know, and you're aware of how how far you have to go. Okay, and that's a healthy perspective. But at the same time, We need to understand that even though we're not where we want to be yet, neither are we where we once were. God has been at work. God is growing you. God is shaping you. God is forming you. No, you're not fully formed yet. We're all under construction. But but God has done all kinds of good things. Don't overlook those things. Celebrate those things. Be encouraged by those things. And be encouraged that he's, he's not done with you. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you will what? He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that brings us to the third thing, which is our future hope. Look to your future hope. Let's look at verse 3. For the Lord will comfort Zion... He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and melodious song. Wow. Now on one level, God is promising these exiles in Babylon that they are going to be restored to their land, to Jerusalem, to Zion. But on another level, God is talking about a restoration here that goes far beyond that. He's talking about the fact that one day there's going to be a new Jerusalem. That, that he talks about the, gar- the garden of the Lord He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. There is coming a day when what was true of the garden of Eden, no more sin, sin, no death, people living in perfect harmony with God and with one another. 
There's coming a day when all of that is going to be restored. Look at verse five. My righteousness is near, my salvation appears, and my arms will bring justice to the nations. There is coming a day when there will be no more injustice. The poor will be trampled no more. Racism will vanish in an instant. No more abortion or porn or sex trafficking. No more tyrants or sin or death. Everything wrong in this world will be righted. Everything sad in this world will come untrue. Again, look at verse 5. The coast and islands will put their hope in me, and they will look to my strength. This is God's promise that the people who are living with little or no access to the good news of Jesus will hear about him. That is the encouragement that we have in missions with all of the with all the barriers that there are to the gospel in this world. The promise that God gives us is that these people who live on distant shores with little or no access to the gospel, they, they will hear. The gospel will not be stopped. Nothing can stop it. Because it is God's plan to bring people to himself from every tribe and tongue. And we get to be a part of that as we pray and as we give and as we go until it all comes together. In Revelation 7, 9, and 10 gives us the vision of that day. John says, after this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Let's pray. As we bow before the Lord right now, Isaiah gave us this beautiful vision of a restored garden of of Eden. One of the things about the garden of Eden was that the tree of life was there where you could take and, and eat and, and live forever. No, no death. The tree of life. But after sin came into the world, people were banished from the tree of life. But there's a way back. There's a way back to that. And that's because on another tree, Jesus stretched out his arms and died. On a, on a wooden cross, on a tree in Jerusalem one day, Christ shed his blood. And then three days later, he rose from the dead so that once again, we can eat from the tree of life. Eden is going to be restored. Sin and death will be no more for those who are in Christ. Are you in Christ today? Do you know him?
He invites you to know him. Repent. Turn from trying to do life apart from Jesus. And trust in him. Trust in his finished work. Place all your confidence in what he has done for you. Shedding his blood on the cross for sinners like you and me and, and rising from the dead. He is a living savior and king. And you can turn to him now. And when you do, you turn to him and trust him. God adopts you as a son or daughter. Turn to Christ and trust him now. Maybe you're here today and you've been dealing with discouragement. Let the spirit of the living God, who is greater than any issue that you face in life, encourage your heart by the power of his spirit right now. And so, Father, we pray that you would do your work in the lives of people. Lord, for people that, that need to know Christ, Lord, would you break through? Would you ignite faith? Would you open the eyes of hearts to trust in Jesus? Lord, for people who have been dealing with just a dark cloud of discouragement, a pall hanging over their lives, Lord, would you rip through that curtain right now by the power of your spirit. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. 